you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church. Praise God. Many know it's important where you go to church. Amen. I often heard it says where you go to church can be a matter of life and death. You know, Brother Hagen preached as a pastor for many years, and not one person died in that church that wasn't filled with age, wasn't old in their, in their age. Where you sit under and what you are sitting under is very important. There's a, there's a covering in a church. You know, I would encourage you to be in the church every time them doors open. That's how important it is. See when the rubber hits the road, where you're in church is really important. Amen. So praise God. I'm just going to pray before we minister this word. Father, I want to thank you for the honor and the privilege it is here to be up in Derry City to proclaim the gospel, the good news of your word, Father God. To look at the scriptures, Father God, and encourage each other. Have some fun in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to do this. Holy Spirit, have your way and do what you uh, uh, and help me to do what you've asked me to do this morning in Jesus' name. Praise God. Well, in Galatians 3 and verse 6 in the Passion Translation, it says, Abram, our father of faith. The Bible says here that Abram is our father of faith. And Habakkuk 2 and verse 4 says that we, the just, live by faith. It also says in Romans 1 and verse 17, we, the just, live by faith. Romans or Galatians 3 and verse 11 says, the just live by faith. And in Hebrews 10 and verse 38 says, the just shall live by faith. I mean, if you live in this country, you're going to know that scripture because it's plastered everywhere, particularly in the summertime. It's important to know that we, the just, live by faith. Sometimes, well, most of the time, we do not live by, by sight. We live by faith. We are the just. We live by faith. Romans 4, so if Abraham, our father of faith, lived by faith, how did he do it? Romans 4 and verse 3 says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And Galatians 3 and verse 6 says, so Abraham believed God. And Genesis 15 verse 6 says, Abraham believed God. So Abraham, our father of faith, lived by faith by believing God and acting on what God says. We are believers. We believe God and we act on what God said. You know, back in 1950s, Doris Day had a song that was a really catchy number and people really enjoyed it. I went, Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. We are not que sera, sera people. We live by faith. We have plans purposes and pursuit. We do not just go by whatever will be, will be. Whenever I was young in church, we, were, we lived, we lived in, in, in County Armagh. It was an evangelical church. It preached the gospel. It preached that you needed to be born again, and most people got born again. Some didn't, but most people did that were in that church because they preached it all the time. But they never preached anything else. And any time they prayed, they prayed a really nice rosy prayer, and they finished it off like this, if it be thy will. If it be thy will is not how you pray a prayer because you are not acting in faith. We, the just, the Bible says, live by faith. Dogs bark, cows moo, ducks quack, Christians believe God. That's, right. That's our job, to believe what the word of God says. Good news, we are allowed to believe God. No matter what the world says, no matter what some Christians say, no matter even what some churches say, we are believers. We have God's mandate, which is the Word of God, and we are allowed to believe God. You know, Christians sometimes will say, ah, oh, you know, you need to wise up, or you need to be realistic and stuff like that, but we believe God. You know, that mandate, that Word of God that we have is the same yesterday today and forever. He says, I'm the Lord God and I change not. He doesn't change. You know, a few years ago uh, in England, the Conservative Party won a massive majority and Boris Johnson became the Prime Minister of Great Britain and the United Kingdom, essentially. And he had great plans, great ideas, 
and he was probably very sincere in every aspect of what his mandate says, what, his, what he puts out, this is what I'm going to do if you vote for me. However, circumstances changed. I mean, he was going to build railways here. He was going to completely rebuild the north of England. He was going to have an equaling, equaling out uh, legislation that he called it. However, a, world, a, worldwide, a worldwide pandemic come, and that changed his focus. He could no longer do the things he wanted to do and set out a mandate to do. Then a, a war happened in, in Ukraine, and now there's a war, you know, in, in, in the Middle East. But the long and the short of it is, he was very sincere in what he wanted to do, but he couldn't do what he wanted to do because circumstances changes. But circumstances will not change the Word of God. If he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. God's Word never changes. A question we should continually ask ourselves, am I believing God or what am I releasing my faith for? Because we that just live by faith after all. Sometimes Christians will say, and nearly all the time the world says, I come now. You need to be realistic. You need to be reasonable. But the truth is, if you let the devil keep you in the land of reason, you will lose every time. However, if you keep the devil in the realm of faith, you will win every time. As Jesse DePlantis would say, you've got to faith the facts. You don't let the facts dictate to you. Facts are subject to change. I mean, the truth may be that sickness is attacking your body. The truth may be that you don't have as much money to meet your needs. But we release what the Word of God says. The truth and the fact is that that Bible is sitting there and that's a truth and that's a fact, but that's a changeable one because I moved it. But the truth of the Word of God is unchangeable. The Bible says, by His stripes you were healed. The Bible says that He will meet your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we faith the facts. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. He will try to get you to focus on the negative, on your mistakes, on your weaknesses, on the things that you're not good at, instead of you focusing on what the Word of God says about you, what the truth says about you. What you focus on and what you meditate on is real important. You know, quite often for physical exercise, and the Bible says the physical exercise profiteth little. That doesn't mean it doesn't profit, you know. But anyway... What I do sometimes for physical exercise, I ride my bicycle around Craigavon Lakes. There's a mountain bike trail around that there. And I remember I had got on my bicycle and a few people have fell off. And so I says, I'll never fall off this bicycle. I proclaimed that I'll never fall off that bicycle. However, <laughs> one time I was riding my bicycle around them lakes in a real twisty wee bit. And my mind wasn't on what I was doing. I was focusing on something else. And here's what I was focusing on. I was looking at Facebook one time, and one of the best motorbike riders of all time up here in Port Rush, Achnacloy, or whatever you call them, Dunlap fellas, William Dunlap was killed in a motorbike accident down in the Republic of Ireland somewhere. It was a tar- I, 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 it came up my Facebook, it was just like a flash, boom, and his, 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 he, he crashed, and the man was killed outright. I mean, his hamlet was rolling down the road, and his glove came floating down the road. It was a horrendous crash. But I started meditating on it. And you know what? I near fell off my bike. You know, because I was meditating on something that I shouldn't have been meditating on. We need to meditate on what the Word has to say. And, the, and we need to be people who remembers the good things that God done for us. I mean, everybody can remember the 20 pound they lost one time. But nobody ever remembers the 20 pound you gained. We tend to focus on the wrong things. And we need to change our perspective. You know, to... Two uh, buckets are going up and down a well. One bucket's going down. I'm always going down empty. And the other's going, I'm always coming up full. We need to not be that bucket who's always pessimistic. We need to be people that's always looking, not pessimistic, people who's always looking at the problem, the reason why not. We are not glass half full people. We, need, we don't get stuck in the devil's muck. We don't get stuck and let him accuse us of things we've done in our lives that were not good and get stuck in the muck. I mean, this time of the year, you know, if you live in the country, 
The ground's wet, and cattle really should be in, but sometimes, you know, you need to hold them out as long as you can. At this time, it's not particularly cold, so that you have enough provision, silage and stuff, to take them through the winter period. But them cattle, where they go through a gap in from one field to the other, that gap gets really mucky. And I mean, them big, heavy cattle churn it up in, in Northern Ireland, and, and, and the ground becomes really, really sticky. And I mean, if you go through it in your wally boots, your wally boots get stuck, you know, and you can hardly pull the wally boot out. And if you don't watch yourself, you can actually even fall in that muck. I mean, that's what the devil wants you to do. We call it where I come from, gutters. And knock the muckley. I don't know what you call it up here and die, but them glar, that muck, that sucky old muck and clay, when you get into it, you can get stuck in it and you hardly can get your foot out of it. That's where the devil wants to keep you. You need to focus on what the word says and pull yourself out of it. Don't let the devil keep you in the gutters. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, your outlook you will determine your outcome. I mean, if you see yourself as a small, insignificant person with no influence, nothing positive to give, that's exactly what you'll be. However, if you renew your mind to the Bible, what the Bible says you are, and set your compass of life in that direction, then that's what you will have. Ultimately, as Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you think you are or how you see yourself is what you will be. I mean, back in biblical times, way back when the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt and they were going to the promised land, they sent, like they'd done what any army would do. They sent spies into the land to spy out the land to see how they could take the land. But the difficulty was some spies come back with a bad report. And in Proverbs, or not Proverbs, pardon me, in Numbers 13 and verse 33, and we in our own sight were as grasshoppers. However, in Numbers 14 verse 9, Joshua and Caleb said, Neither fear ye this people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. That's a faith versus fear report. I mean, the Bible says here, their defense, whose defense? The defense of the army of the land they were going into had departed from them. Why had it departed from them? Because they'd heard that the Egyptian army were drowned in the Red Sea. They'd heard all the battles that the, the, the children of God had won in the wilderness. They heard they were coming. They were beat before the battle started. However, the grasshopper mentality of the the majority of the spies, they seen themselves as small in the sight of their enemy instead of seeing themselves how God said they were. And the difficulty was because of that faith versus fear outlook, the people chose the fear outlook and wandered around the wilderness for another 40 years. So how do you see yourself? We find out through God's word and then we look through that lens and focus on meditate on what, where we are in Christ Jesus. Who are you? 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. For he made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Here's what we are. According to Romans 3 verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him who loves us. And one of the best explanations I ever heard of that there was the Rocky movie. When Rocky went in to fight the battle, he fought for 15 rounds, got knocked out, got up again, broke his nose and all sorts of things. But eventually he won the title. He became the heavyweight champion of the world. He took the belt of the heavyweight champion of the world and the million dollar check. And he went home to his wife who was in the bed and threw her the check and threw her the belt, and she got the proceeds of the victory the Rocky had won. He was the conqueror, but she became more than a conqueror because she got the benefits of it. Because of what Jesus done for us, he defeated hell, death, and the grave and caused us to be more than conquerors. So we have the benefit of that there. I heard a story one time, which was a very funny story. 
Brother Jerry Savelle was preaching a message in an old church in Texas. And uh, there wasn't many there. However, he was preaching a message similar to this here. And all of a sudden, this man stood up and shouted at him, In the world ye will have tribulation. And Jerry Savelle was shocked. He says, can you actually do this? Is this what happens in the church? He was a young preacher at the time. And he was standing up there, and all of a sudden, this guy just stands up, in the world, you have tribulation. And Jerry says to him, he says, Mr., can you tell me where that scripture is? He says, I don't know where it is, but it's in there. And the whole church went, amen. And the pastor went, amen. So Jerry says, well, can you grab your Bible? He says, I don't have my Bible with me. He says, well, get somebody else's Bible and turn to John 16 and verse 33. So he turned to John 16, verse 33. He says, now read it out. So he read it out. And I'm reading from the Amplified Version here. I have told you these things that in me you have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you'll have tribulation, trials, distresses and frustration. He says, there you are. He says, I told you it was in the word of God. And the whole church went, amen. And the pastor went, amen. But he says, you need, there's a but there. He says, you need to read the rest of that there. He says, but be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Certain. Undaunted. For I have overcome the world and deprived it of its power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Glory to God. That's, by, that's where you are. You are more than a conqueror. That's right. The Bible says when you've done all to stand, stand. You know, our father's the referee. And the Bible says, now thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Whenever as a wee fella knocking about, knocking the muckly, playing football, very odd time we would have got a team together. And like nobody had a decent football. It was one of the little orange and black things that you kicked and the wind blew it about all over the place. And I mean, if it hit the hedge, a thorn got in it and the next thing it was a pancake. But every now and then somebody got a tuber football. How many ever remember a tuber football? Like that was the football that... The, you know, the professionals played with laces and all in it. Like, if you'd one of them, you were real cool. But whoever had the Tuber football, it didn't matter what team he was on, he won. Because he played, he won. And I mean, once he was winning, he says, he took the ball, put it under his arm, says, right, I'm away home. He had won. We win. We always win. Because our father is the referee. So whatever you've done all to stand, you need to, what? Stand. Glory to God. We believe what God says about us and then move in that direction. Press into the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? Well, the word gospel in Greek is the word evangelion. And that means it's good news. How many know that gospel is good news? I want to look at some uh, things that Jesus said here, particularly in Luke 4, verse 17 and 18. Starting off in verse 17. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, talking of Jesus here, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So what is the gospel to the poor? The gospel to the poor is good news. So good news to a poor person is they don't need to be poor anymore. And this is the first thing that Jesus was talking about. I mean, I have been poor, and poor is terrible. It's a bad thing. You know, I used to be afraid of who was coming to my door. Used to be lying in bed wondering how I was going to pay bills. You know, I used to be afraid of the postman. Dan knows what he was going to bring next. You know, I found out what the Word of God says. I didn't need to be poor anymore. I'll tell you something. That was a marvelous breakthrough to me. Back in 1992, on New Year's Eve of that year, I went to church because I was asked to go to church. And the only reason I went to church that night was because I hadn't any money to go to the pub. And I sat in under there and listened to people proclaiming what God done for them in 1992 
heard the good reports, and the pastor comes and says to me, he says, you know, you need to come and sit in under the word and get born again. And I says, look, I don't want to let you down or let anybody else down. The truth of the matter is, the only reason I'm here is because I hadn't really any money to go out. And I says, I don't want to get born again and then get into the flesh and let us all down, let myself down, let my family down, let everybody down. He said to me, come you and sit in under the word of God here for six months. And if you come every time them doors open, the word of God will transform your life and you'll never go back into the word. That's why I'm telling you, it's so important to sit in under the word. Romans 12 and verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I mean, in one year, God got me my wife, got a house, paid off my car, and we were running a very successful business. God transformed my life by sitting on under the word. God's word works. It's alive. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. What's it mean to be rich? To have an abundant supply. What lens, what lens you're looking for in relation, in relation to your finance is very important. For example, I know people who are in love and want to get married, but will not get married because they will lose out on the benefits that the king, that this government gives them for not getting married. I mean, to get married and can't, to, to say I'm not getting married because I can't afford it is a poverty mentality. When the scripture says that he will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. I mean, if you're in love, it's ludicrous not to get married. When the Bible says, you know, it's better to get married than burn, for example. That's what the Bible says. It says that in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 9. I mean, we have to do what God's word says in relation to that. Psalm 37 verse 25 says, I have been young, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. So David was young and old, and you can't say, well, I don't want to get married because you know, the government will not pay me. That is ludicrous. Psalm 35 and verse 27 says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which is pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God has provided us with a marvelous plan for our prosperity. I mean, it's not a knowledgeable thing that you can think of that you'd say, well, that makes sense, because it just doesn't make sense to the natural mind. Luke 6 Verse 38, as we've already quoted today in our confession, give, Jesus talking here, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, even men shall be given to your bosom. In Proverbs 3 and verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine. I mean, if you give here, according to the scriptures, it doesn't make any sense. It says you've got to trust in the Lord with all your heart, not lean on your own understanding. Because if you lean on your own understanding, it makes no sense whatsoever. I know I started off with no house, no wife, no nothing. In fact, the car I had, I had to hide it when I got born again because the hire purchase man was trying to take it off me because I was three payments behind on the hire purchase payments. But my God turned that whole situation around at me. I learned what the Word of God says. Malachi 3 and verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse 
that there may be meat in mine house. Where's the storehouse? That's here. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. This is the only place in the Bible where I think God says, you prove me. God's telling you to prove him. You prove him. You bring your tithes and he prove him. How I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing there's not room enough to receive. And he will rebuke the devour for your sex and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground and all nations shall call you blessed for what the Lord's doing in your life. You shall be a delightsome land. That's the prosperity plan of God. It makes no sense whatsoever. But I learned that. I trusted not in my own understanding. I didn't lean on my own thinking. I did what the Word of God says. And God transformed my life completely. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, But I say unto you, He which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, but he that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. For Every man according as he purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor out of necessity, for God loves, loves a cheerful giver. And God will say, it says in the next verse, and God will cause all grace to abound towards you, that you always have an all-sufficiency can abound to every good work. That means you have an abundant supply of provision. You can abound to every good work. Psalm 103 and verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. So, angels are hearkening unto the voice of God's word. Well, where is God's word in the earth today? It's in us as we speak God's word. We speak God's word and angels hearken unto that voice. Isaiah 55 and verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper in the thing whereon I send it. You know, many years ago, David Livingstone, a Scottish man, evangelized the whole of Africa. He loved the African people, and he ministered there for his whole life. It cost him everything. But at the end of his life, they found him kneeling in prayer. And in his last memoirs, he wrote, in all my ministry in Africa, and my whole life expanse, I cannot say for sure if I won one person to the Lord. However, the word of God says that his word will not return void. David Livingston sowed the word of God. And I mean, years later, when... People of God went like Reinhard Bunke or Christopher Allen. Mighty men of God went in there. Hundreds of thousands turned up to hear the gospel. Not because they were there, but because that word had been sown by a man hundreds of years ago. The word of God will not return void. Looking at Hebrews 1 and chapter 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit in my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all, and many all, ministering spirits sent forth to minister unto those who are heirs of salvation? How many of you are an heir of salvation? The angels are heirs, are sent unto you as heirs of salvation to benefit you. As we pray that uh, prayer there in relation to our finances, we release the angels of God to go in and, and bring in our finances. Well, people say, well, there's not really angels about now. Well, that's not true. Because the Bible says again in Hebrews 13 and verse 2, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels on a So angels are available to us. They hearken on to the voice of the word of God and we should not pray the angels, but we should speak the word of God and angels will be released on our behalf. If you have lack in your life, start believing God for prosperity. You're allowed to believe. We're believers after all. Start seeing yourself with abundance and no lack. A person who believes they can't afford, for example, to get married has a grasshopper mentality in the realm of finances. They need to change that lens 
to the lens of God's word and get their hopes up and move out in faith. Brother Hagen says, faith is the same in every sphere. You have to operate in faith in every sphere, and that's a sphere. And some people say, oh, I'll do that. I'll do whatever God's called me to do or believe God. I'm not going to really believe God for anything until I get my ducks in a row. Oh, hey, back, you know, whenever we were children, the fairground would have come to town. And there used to be this chaos, and all these ducks used to go along on a row like that there. And I mean, you'd have got a shotgun type thing with a cork in it. And if you shot them ducks and loaded up and shot them ducks that come in a row fast enough, I mean, you got a goldfish in a bowl or something. But how many of you know, in reality, ducks never come in a row. Hebrews 1, 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now's the time to put your faith out. Now's the time to stop believing God. Oh, I'll start believing God, for example, when I start smoking. No, you start believing God right now. I spent about two months when I got born again trying to quit cigarettes. They had a big hold in me. I had been smoking for years, and it was something that I found very hard to quit. I mean, I threw them out the window of the car, and... I come back the next day because the price of them had no money to buy them. We're looking to see where I threw them. I mean, it was a disaster. I finally stopped smoking when I met my wife because I said to myself, if God brought me that woman there, which was exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask think, I'm not going to lose her because I'm stinking to smoke. That's just as simple as that. Here's the difference. My want to got bigger. That's what happened. My want to got bigger. And I stopped smoking like that there. I mean, I used to go to Bible school in Dundalk, in church in Dundalk on a Monday night. And for some reason, you know, this was maybe, I'd met my wife and this was about two months. I'd quit smoking for about two months. And I was sitting in Bible school in Dundalk on a Monday night, probably the month of late April or something. But it was a particularly cold night. And I had a, one of the coats on that I didn't wear in the winter. And I put my hand in my coat, and there was 20 MC Regal <laughs> cigarettes. But glory to God, I was delivered to them. I was able to take them and throw them in the bin because God had set me free. Do you know why I got saved? Romans 2, verse 4 the goodness of God leads men to repentance. That's why I got saved. God's goodness. How many know God's good? Or Robert started saying in the 50s, God is good. And the religious people in Australia got so offended at him saying God's good, they threw his car over on his roof because he said, just because he said God is good. Psalm 68 verse 19 says, Bless the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. How many, how often is daily? Every day. You can put your faith out for the goodness of God, for the benefits of God, and we should be doing it. The key is you need to believe for them. You need to say, and it says sell there. What's that mean to meditate on that? The goodness of God. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. It's necessary for us to remember in our life the good things that God done for us. We should always, when tough times come, it's maybe even a good idea to keep a, a book of the things that God done in your life so that you can remember the goodness of God that has already happened in your life. Bill Winston would say, if I wasn't saved, you know what I'd do? I'd get saved because it's better. As a Bill Winston says, <laughs> Psalm 78 verse 41, 41 says, talking of the children of Israel, yeah, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the, from the enemy. The children of Israel kept forgetting what God done. Do not forget what God done in your life. Remember God's goodness. You know, when breaking the bread here in church, the, the key in that whole thing is remember. What's that bread represent? What's that blood represent? You're set free that bread represents his body that was broken for you. And the key in it is you remembering. Psalm 27 verse 13 says, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Is anybody in the land of the living? If you're in the land of the living, do you know what you don't do? You, don't, you, you need to believe to see the goodness of God in your life. If you don't, you're going to faint, cave in, and quit. 
We need to believe God right here and right now. The key is believing. Psalm 34 and verse 8 says, O taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. What's it mean to taste and see? Well, whenever we were we children, my mommy used to bake cakes. And whenever she'd bake the cake and all the stuff was in the bowl and the wooden spoon was all covered in the stuff, we all wanted to get a taste of it. Now it was good. We need to taste and see. If you're not saved and you're listening to this message, I'm telling you, you need to taste and see our God is good. Are you a living witness to the goodness of God? See yourself on top, not beneath the head and not the tail, more than a conqueror, a winner in the affairs of, in the affairs of life. Going back to Luke 18, he sent me, talking of Jesus, to heal the brokenhearted. Has your heart been broken? Relationships, career, have you lost somebody? Have you been stolen from? God will restore you. He will mend, fix the broken heart. He will set you up to be in the best place you have ever or could in your own ability be in. He is a wonderful God, complex, wonderful. Your job is to believe for it. Isaiah 55 and verse 8. You know, some people say, oh, he could never restore me. Oh, I could never figure out how that's going to work. Well, it's not your job to figure it, figure it out. It's not your job to try and see how that's going to happen. It says here, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, and so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Some of the things that God has got me out of over this last 30 years, I could never have figured out. Amazing the things that God done for me and the pickles that I got myself into. But God delivered me. Psalm 147 verse 3, He heals the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Joel 2.25 in the New Living Translation says, I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locusts, to the hopping locust, to the stripping locust, and the, cup, the cutting locust. Job 42 and verse 10. People talk about Job. Oh, poor Job this and poor Job that. Job 42 and 10. And the Lord, the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Verse 12. And the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginnings. But people say, oh, what about Job's children? Verse 13 says, And he had another seven sons and three daughters. And verse 15, And in all the land there were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. Verse 16, After this Job lived a hundred and forty years, and saw his sons, sons even four generations. And verse 17, So Job died being old and full of days. Have you given up? Job never. Job lived a full and a satisfied life. Have you lost or become brokenhearted? People sometimes have lost and become brokenhearted. But Isaiah 61 verse 7 says, For your shame... Ye shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in the land ye shall you shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. Are you believing for the double? That's the key. Or are you one? I remember years ago there was an old program on TV, a comedy program, One Foot in the Grave. Are you a one foot in the grave person? Are you believing to live a full and satisfied life? to redeem the time. Going back to Luke again, 4 verse 13, Jesus came to preach deliverance to the captives. Has the devil got you bound in sin, religion, in fear? Do you feel boxed in and you can't get out? Going back to the fairground all them years ago, 
There used to be a thing called a flea circus. Now, in our time, we don't really comprehend fleas. But in them days, or maybe a hundred years ago, there was no televisions, and fleas were a big deal. I mean, there was no shampoos and stuff to deal with them. And, flea, and if you went to the cinema, for a nickname for the cinema at that time was the flea pit. <laughs> you know, because fleas were everywhere. However, what this guy would do, they knew that fleas could jump all over the place. He would get all these fleas, and they'd be sitting on a box with one-inch high... Uh, side round and all these fleas were going little swings and roundabouts and all sorts of things and people couldn't figure out how these fleas were boxed in how they didn't jump out well the long and the short of it is he used to put them in a box and keep lowering the lid down as they jumped up and hit their head they, they wouldn't jump any higher so he kept lowering the box down but then the lid was taken off the box and these fleas didn't realize the lid was talking off the box. And they were running around in swings. And here they are stuck in the gutters. And they can't get their welly boot out of the gutters. Stuck in the box when the lid's off the box the whole time. And Christians sometimes can get bogged down in the circumstances. In the, the, the affairs of life. With their welly boot stuck. And the devil accusing them of this. And accusing them of the other. Telling them they're no good and they're insignificant. Stuck in the gutters and can't get out. And the lid's off the box the whole time. Galatians 5 verse 7 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You know, going back to what you've done as a sinner is the Bible compares that to an old dog who's sick and then it walks about and then it goes back and eats the very sick that made him sick in the first place. That's what it's like. You know, John 8 verse 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. John 10.10 The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. What's Jesus' purpose? To give you a rich and a satisfying life. Your job is to believe for it. Don't settle. Do not settle for anything less. James 1 verse 17 says Every good and perfect gift is come from above and comes down from the Father of lights. If it's not good, it's not God. We need to be people who resist, not just accept things. Like nowadays, you'll go to the swimming pool, and you can't get parked near the swimming pool because there's about 150 parking places for people with disabilities. I mean, people go into those parking places with disabilities, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with them. Don't get me wrong. But they get out of the car and they're walking every bit as good as I am. And the difficulty is, in that situation, they are not resisting it. They are accepting it. And, you know, they're no sooner, you know, accepting that there than the devil, next thing he has them in a, in a mobility scooter. You know, there's no resistance. We have to stand against sickness. Just don't lie down and accept it. Luke 4 and verse 18 again. And recovering of sight to the blind. Second Peter 2 verse 24 says, Who is own self? bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. I used to take the flu three or four times a year. And I mean, if I took the flu, I was in bed for at least a week. And I mean, I was sore, and my arms were sore, my knees were sore, and I found out I didn't need to take the flu. I resisted it. I didn't have the flu for a those. 15 years, but about 15 years ago, around Christmas time, I had 500 head of cattle in the, in, in the barn, and uh, it was around Christmas, nobody was working at the time, only me, to look after them cattle, and the flu symptoms come, and I didn't resist them, I went to bed, and I thought I'll just lie about here for a wee while, and I mean I opened the door to that flu, and I'm telling you, my hair was sore, and there's me having to go up and feed them cattle and the pain and the fingers and hair and everything aching. I'm telling you, if that devil opens that door, you boot him out through it and you pull that door closed. You do not accept sickness and disease. You resist it. Do not let him in. This time last year, I went to my doctor because I had a problem. My knee was swelling up and really sore. And my doctor took I took my trousers down, looked at my knee in Craigavon Health Center. And she says to me, she says to me, you know something? I said, what? She says, you need a new knee. Simple as that. She says, you need a new knee. Your knee is scrap. That's what you said. I mean, if I was to believe that report, 
I'd have been running around in a wheelchair for the next 10 years till I got an appointment in Alton Gelfin Hospital here to get new knee. But I resisted that. I come up and got prayed. I humbled myself. I exercised. I took whatever medication that they give me within reason. And I resisted that. And I'll tell you, Rand will tell you, I got a report there about two months ago. It says to me, no point, you, a specialist, they sent me to a specialist that on this waiting list. And this specialist says to me, there's no point in you coming back. There's nothing wrong with your knees. I'm going to discharge you. You're only wasting my time. In fact, on the 26th of February, I'm going on a skiing holiday, skiing holiday with them, John and Susan there, and my wife, till uh, Bulgaria. Glory to living God. I mean, you have to resist the devil. James 4 and verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 10 Humble yourselves in the sight of God and he shall lift you up. Acts 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So what is sickness? It's demonic oppression which you should resist. First Peter, going to my Bible again because this was something I didn't want to write down. So if we go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Praise God for due time. Casting all your care upon him. How many know we don't need to cure? We need to cast our care. We're not the people of worry, not to be anxious about anything. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary as a roaring lion, he's not a roaring lion, he's an imitator as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist? What do we do with it? We resist it steadfastly in the faith. We resist his plan. See yourself healed, not a sick person with a grasshopper mentality. We are the healed of God. Luke 4 verse 13, 18 again from the Amplified Version, sent forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. I don't know what profusely really means, but it sounds good. (laughs) The favors of God are profusely abounding towards me. We as children used to sing a wee song whenever we were growing up, He is my everything, He is my all. He is my everything, both great and small. I'll tell you what, I know what that song means now. Psalm 91, verse 14, I'm nearly finished. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him, I will rescue him, I will protect him. Psalm 5, verse 12. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor and compass him as with a shield. Favor of God, compassion. What's it mean to compass? Surrounded. Remember the ready brick ad years ago, the people stand at the bus stop. I mean, there was a red glow all around them. They were compassed by the ready brick ad. We are compassed with favor. We need to see ourselves with favor. We need to exercise favor. Psalm 121 and verse 2. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. How many know God is our helper? Praise the Lord. Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man will do unto me. Whenever we would, I picked a football team years ago. You know, you got two, the biggest boys, and we had all lined up against the wall. And the first thing is your pick. They tossed up to see whose pick it was. They always picked the best player first. <laughs> but a man, you know, our God's on our side. The Bible says God's on our side. We didn't pick him. He picked us. Glory to God. On the 19th of February, 1945, the United States Marine Corps fought a hard and bloody battle to capture the island of Iwo Jima, to secure two airfields in the battle to defeat defeat Japan in the Second World War. The cost was terrible. 6,102 Marines were killed. 881 sailors were killed. 19,709 injured. An escort carrier sunk. One fleet carrier severely damaged. 137 tanks destroyed. 
153 airplanes destroyed. A terrible price was paid. But on the 26th of March, 1945, a picture was taken of the U.S. Marines raising the American flag, their standard, on top of Mount Sabachi. That picture is burned in the heart of all Americans. How many know liberty is never cheap? The Bible, the Word of God, tells us in Isaiah 59 and verse 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Jesus paid a a tremendous price for you. God has planted his standard, his flag in you. Again, we as children used to sing a wee song. Let the flag fly high from the castle of your heart, from the castle of your heart, from the castle of your heart. Let the flag fly high from the castle of your heart, for the king is in residence there. I'm telling you, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you lift up that standard that's in your heart and you get your believer out and you resist that devil. You're no longer a loser. You're a winner because of Jesus. Go forth and enjoy your life. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 19 and verse 13, Occupy till I come. Glorify God in your bodies. You know, we used to have this idea, I'm just finishing now, that whenever I got born again, you held on with your fingernails and you sort of fell into heaven. We're to rule and reign in life by one Christ Jesus. And we're to, we're, we are not the weak church. We are the victorious church. And we're to enjoy the benefits of the kingdom of God. You're key on what you should need to do. You're a believer. You're allowed to believe God. Don't let anybody ever talk you out of believing God and see yourself through the lens of what God's word says to you in relation to your salvation, in relation to finance, in relation to sickness, in relation to all the attacks of the devil and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Praise God. So Father, thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I thank you, Lord. Your word does not return void. Anybody that's here who's listened to this word, I'm believing I expect it'll be a benefit to their life, Father God. And we will indeed remember our benefits. We will remember that we are the redeemed of the Lord. The greater one lives in us. And greater is he that lives in us than he that's in the Lord, and than he that's in the world. The flag, your flag's in our heart, Father God. We are bought with a price. We are not our own. A price was paid for you. So therefore, we are going to glorify you in our bodies, which is yours. So we thank you, Father, for this week going ahead. We thank you for the ability to be a witness, to let our light shine and glorify you in every area of our lives, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.